This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? dramatic or like sort of understated or what this is a land that prays for a hero the humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival you are listening to greening the apocalypse on triple r102.7 fm Yes, and good evening and welcome to Greening the Apocalypse, 3RRR's weekly discussion of the world, all its wonders and some of its wankers. Uh, thank you very much, Adam. He's just filled in. He's done a cruisy little public holiday bout of uh, double bounce in place of uh, Vaughan, who's probably off cavorting at uh, Spring Racing Carnival, staggering around amongst the rubbish, trying to keep his feet with a half-empty bottle of uh, chartreuse, let's assume. <laughs> And, uh, one can only. One can only hope. Well, Bush is my name. I don't give a shit about horse racing, although I do like to collect horse shit for the garden. Adam, Kate, Jed, let's I, talk quickly about the race day. Adam, any any vested interest whatsoever? I, I was totally oblivious. I didn't notice at one point the streets were quite quiet. Okay. And then they weren't again. And you thought it was the crash, but it was actually <laughs> a horse race. Katie, well, do I'm, you give any shit about horse racing? I don't. No, well, I do. I like the fact I'm not at work. Yes, yes. It's <laughs> a wonderful thing. No. Mm. When it comes to horses, my, my sister had a horse. I've just been scared of them my whole life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they weigh half a ton and they got steel feet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Have I don't you, like reading the stories about what happens to them the next day. Have you ever attended a, a horse racing meeting? Yes, yeah. I have. How was it? Um, it, was, it was not really my thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's a bit like watching golf live. I sort of. Jed? It amazes me because uh, I've been a couple of times to like uh, the Blokes Day or the Cup and what have you. The number of people yeah. who do not see a horse, yeah, on the day, <laughs> but they stagger around they trying to keep their feet with a bottle of chartreuse. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. indeedy. They might have a bet on a few, but they don't actually see any. Yeah, we we lived in Flemington years ago, and it was a murderous, brutal time to be living in Flemington. Like this, oh, yeah. this whole time that spring racing carnival was just, you know, like when someone throws up in your letterbox, it's like, uh, like there's no letters in there because it's, you know, they haven't been delivered, but Jesus. <laughs> it's a rough it, time. It, it gets pretty ugly around about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a kind of funny thing to, like, I'm sort of sitting on this for a bit, but all the, the big business lobby groups and everything like that, they get the shits about, why have we got a public holiday for grand final eve? We say, well, grand final goes for about two hours and, it, like, got an entire season of cutthroat football that leads up to it, whereas this is a three-minute horse race which effectively creates a four-day-long weekend. Yeah. You know, however, it's attended by a shitload of people from the business lobby and their buddies. So I think that's why they care. Adam Grubb, what are we going to talk about tonight on the show? Well, we're going to have a roundtable. We're going mm. to talk about um, something close to home, close to <laughs> close to our ovaries and geni- uh, our respective genitals. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking underpants. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to. Well, I don't know. Uh, we're going to. We're going to talk about uh, to procreate or not. 
to do or not. From a from the a kind of green the apocalypse perspective, from an environmental perspective, uh, from the perspective of what kind of world will they inherit, and mm. what kind of environmental impact will they have, and. Yeah, there's a whole heap of people who, this, you know, our kind of generation who are choosing not to have kids. Mm. I'm one of them, it mm. seems. I mean, it wasn't entirely a choice, but it's the way the chips have fallen. And has yeah. it panned out like that more than it being a conscious decision? Uh, it's, yeah, it's been a combination. Combination. You're very but I'm surrounded young, by... Very, yes. You're very young. Yeah. Let's, well, let's not pronounce too soon. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, I've got, to, I've got to represent here since I'm surrounded by three breeders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a double breeder. Yeah. Indeed. Um, and so, and so we're going we're gonna to discuss this from those two perspectives and, we'll, and a little bit on, like, you know, just what that means for society when there are less kids going around. Mm. Like what if was it does it, go it was that a way. film about? What was that movie? It was quite dour. Children of Men. Oh, Children, Children of Men. What was it that, that really hot guy? Yeah. Yeah, but there was like <laughs> what seemed to be like one person in the whole world or something that could had been pregnant in like ten years or something like that. Well, some stats, I guess, to look. Do we at, all have it? to disclose whether we have children or not? Like some well, kind I've of already done being that. Being a confession type of thing. The, the maths are it's three onto one, and I'm the one. <laughs> so I think folks can figure that out for themselves. Mm. But let's just um, let's start, if we will, with the environmental impact of them. So we know there's 7.2 billion people on the, on the planet, and it's a pretty obvious. It's just mathematical that the more the population rises, the greater the strain on resources, which are dwindling, finite resources, and the more pollution and environmental impact that... You know, even efficiency gains don't make up for population growth. Mm. I did a little look into a thing uh, which is where you measure the amount of humans on the planet in terms of our biomass. Ah, yeah. So if you weigh all the humans, it turns out that there's 423 million tonnes of, they call it wet, it's not the dry weight, it's the wet weight. Wet weight of people. <laughs> it's the wet weight That's of people. That's a lot That's of the alive weight. That's the alive weight. Yeah. Now, that compares to 23 million tonnes of wild mammals. Oh, wow. So Sorry, go again. So there are 18, just by weight, there are 18 times more humans than there are all the kangaroos, wombats, giraffes, cro crocodiles. Oh, I think it was just mammals. So Elephants. Uh, yeah. Uh, Does that take on board the blue whale, the mighty blue whale? This is terrestrial. Did they okay, have, it's a land mammal. It's a well, land, did they measure mammals. domesticated and farm animals? Yes, they do. And whereas there are 23 million tonnes of wild animals, there are 1,400 million tonnes oh. of domesticated animals. So there's about there's three times as many domesticated animals as there are us. Uh, so collectively, um, it's, it's something like, you know, 94. 99% of all the animals on the planet are, or 98.5% I think it is are either us or our domesticates Jesus, Jesus. that's really surprising yeah or maybe it's not surprising but when you think about it in terms of something so easy to imagine as weight it yeah. really illustrates it very terrifyingly yeah Fuck. so there are a lot of us and we have not, not only that are there a lot of us but our environmental impact is vastly more superior than any one of those wild animals. Mm. You could even say that they were a net benefit, whereas we, on general, are not. So, you and I both had a look at this article on the Guardian website, didn't we, Kate, which was about 
Want to, it's called Want to Fight Climate Change, Have Fewer Children. Fewer than what? Fewer than one? Fewer than two? Fewer than ten? Fewer than what you're going to have, yeah. I guess. I don't, yeah. It was quite an irritating article. <laughs> but very much illustrated the impact of having children, which is vast. It did. It was So they referred to some study which had an interesting way of going about things. But what they what that particular study said was that compared to living car free avoiding a transatlantic flight buying green energy etc uh, etc et having one fewer child radically reduces your environmental impact so they would say the tons of co2 equivalent for having a child is about 60 tons per year and the amount of living car free that you save is about two and a half tons. <laughs> so it's just off the charts. The yeah. way they did the maths was they were like, oh, let's count. This is interesting though. They said, so count your, if you have a kid, count all its CO2 emissions against your, that, that's, that's, that's your debt now. Mm-hmm. Um, and which the is, kid's kid, the kid to the grandchildren. And the, gra- yeah, the future so, grandchildren. Yeah, so it was like half of your own kid yeah. goes to you and a quarter of your grand, yeah. grandkids' future um, future emissions and then they spread that out over the rest of your life anyway it's a bit complicated but basically if if you accept that premise then that is just far and away like um i you know i could just like um i don't know i could be flying across the atlantic in my private jet so you could just use that argument to rationalize all your other life choices i don't have a kid so i'm just gonna go mental forever well i mean that was still Mm. terrible obviously so you could have your like panda bear pastrami or something like that but i could deflect a lot of guilt basically yeah nice but you could also deflect guilt by going i was gonna have four so i had three didn't i do well (laughs) yeah there's a lot of ways you could play it um but it's it's a funny thing like obviously i don't blame it, by the same metric, you could blame, you could say that you are blameless for your own emissions and blame them on your own parents. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. I blame all of my emissions on the Big Bang. It's the <laughs> Big Bang's fault for putting it in. So there, there's another thing because yeah. if – so in the past, some people who have had children, for example, might include Mr. and Mrs. Attenborough. Yeah. And Mr. and Mrs. Goodall. And Mr. and Mrs. Suzuki and Mr. and Mrs. Attenborough has actually written about not breeding. Did he not breed? As an environmental... Really? Oh, no, I think he has. Attenborough's favourite pro- mammal is a two-year-old child. Oh, I th- yeah. When asked what he wanted to be, though, he said a sloth. <laughs> oh, right. Because all they do is lie around and um, he said... He, ha- he has a son in Australia. That's why he comes and visits. Oh. oh, OK. We should see if he wants to go on the show, old Dave. Yeah, why not? Why not? Doesn't hurt the dream. Where were you going with this, Bishy? Well, where I was Naming going all with the this is when, when you have a child, mm. as anyone who's ever had a child or any creature that has ever procreated and spat its genes out into the ether, there's potential in that. And the potential could be that you have, like, Junior Trump, right? that's not very good potential, according to most people, you know, who are clear thinking. But then you could also have an environmental hero, you could have a child who uh, shows great leadership and great compassion and so mm. forth like that. So, but is that fair? One of your own offspring is a budding like chicken expert. Well, yeah, all round homesteader. He loves he loves chickens and he loves the idea of living off the land and he loves to go for a walk in the bush and talk about ecology. I mean, he also loves to play Minecraft and um, you know, impact impulse purchase candy if I let him, which is rare because. 
the sugar doesn't do him well. Um, so, so maybe what you're saying is there's a potential for the loss of human potential mm. if clever people who might potentially breed superheroes, climate heroes, mm. like Adam, consciously make the decision not well, to have children. Yeah. A trade school teacher of mine, uh, many, this is around about 2000, 2001-ish, so oh, this is before I've even met Sammy, before a whole lot of stuff has happened, and I was at trade school, and we got along this conversation, and I said to him, oh, I really do wonder about whether I should bring a child into the world, to which he said to me, the very fact that you're asking that question says to me that you, above many others, probably should. Um Ooh. Yeah, I kind of thought that was an interesting point because he, his whole point was that so many people just blindly and thoughtlessly act and do all the time. So maybe yeah, so we should have licences for people well, to have children. I was just going to gonna say, if you extrapolate that to the nth degree, then you're starting selective breeding. It's yeah. almost like Eugenics. the thoroughbreds that went round Flemington today. Social engineering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that a what kind of restrictions? If you were thing? to give a license to somebody to have a child, what 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 exams would you make them pass? Mm. Would they have Jesus. to have a certain amount of money? No, no. Would they have to um, prove that they weren't abusive? Yes. But that's, that's kind of weird because you can go and get a driver's licence and stick within the speed limit and then drive like a speeding, raving twat. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Or you, yeah. you know, or you, people can walk into a hardware store and buy any hand tool and then potentially use it to you know, crack open a shop and take the till. So that's an interesting... I don't know. What should the, you know, should, should the hypothetical licence to um, breed children include... Things like ecological and economic literacy, and should it include a whole bunch of other sorts of things? I mean, the phone's exploding at the moment. There's oh. <laughs> a bunch yeah, of like, yeah, which we can't answer. Um, but I don't know. It's just it's just an interesting hypothetical. I don't, I don't necessarily know. You know, maybe that it, rich variety and that rich tapestry of life. Maybe it should be reliant upon what the country can support. Right? We, yes. we know that Australia is going to max out on water soon. Mm. So maybe if you live in Australia, there should be a population cap. Uh, but isn't that what the Chinese did and, and didn't they end up with problems with the one-child policy? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And that seemed to socially, you know, people favoured having sons and there was some shocking stories of, of infanticide and, and things like that. I don't know. This is an interesting chat, isn't it? Adam, Mm. you've been a bit quiet over there. Yeah, well, because we're treading on some delicate territory and I'm just thinking of how to phrase anything if we were to jump into it. But, yeah, so you guys brought up what? Like, um, should you have a license to have kids and what happens if only, you know, essentially all the climate deniers uh, breed? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we said that as such. But <laughs> or, or essentially, or maybe you, which you probably used as a proxy for stupid. And um, and that is very delicate territory given that... Um, it's very elitist. Yeah, it's very, potentially very elitist. Mm. And, uh, uh, but, you know, the, and the opposite is this whole libertarian perspective. And actually when I was doing a bit of, you know, reading a bit of stuff around this show, I listened to uh, a free market economy podcast on this topic, some libertarian types and... Mm. They were saying their their argument <laughs> wasn't a very good one to be honest. Was that 
very much coming from a, you know, we're very much at this show grounded in a sense of limitations to natural resources and how they often set upper boundaries on what humans can do. Not to put human ingenuity to the side. Um, It's very much incredible, obviously important thing, but often from the economic, uh, from the market perspective, it's as if the resources are really tangential. And in human ingenuity mm. is the is the the only game in town. Oh, I listened to that too. I think. All oh, right, but I fell asleep this afternoon. Yeah, but I listened to the economics detective radio. Yes, yeah, that was it. That um, argument was completely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and they, they were saying things like, um, "Well, you need to get." Well, the, the more the more humans there are, the more ingenuity there is, the more solutions to problems. And by capping population, you're capping human potential. Because exactly. if there's more of us, we there's could more solve us, more, more problems. Geniuses. Yeah. Well, but uh, and they're also saying that you need a lot of you need to generate income first, so there's spare money that you can care about the environment. And one of his examples was that uh, you know look at the US now; people are fairly wealthy, and you've got. And they care for animals. There's even acupuncture for dogs now. <laughs> I was, well, that's not the best. That, so, no. so yeah, it's what I'm imagining is like this kind of you care about you and your 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 sycophantic um, domesticated best mate, but that doesn't really expand to nature as a no. whole, does it? When you don't well, even well, the US and Australia, there's a few other countries. US and Australia this year made into the top seven for biodiversity loss. Mm. Yeah, that's a club you don't want to be in. So that's a, yeah. that's a ridiculous argument. But other countries that were in there, I think, were China, Brazil. No, maybe Brazil didn't get the top seven. But the idea that – no, that's bullshit. The, and the, <laughs> and the, the, just to finish, I, didn't, I want to rebut the first point they made too about more population equals more ingenuity. Now, that's true. Like the more people there are, the more smart people there are, the more inventions there will be. But what were it? in at the moment now is a case of population overshoot. We use more resources and there is a carrying capacity. If we want more people to exist, if you take a long time window, think in the thousands of years, like this sort of like reaching for the sky now, massive, massive population, that is what you see in nature is you have a collapse mm. and you drop down and you you just permanently destroy your current capacity in our case whereas if we could just temper it and level it off then there could be it's going to take longer between changes less geniuses but there'll be more in the long run the other thing i was just thinking back to your original stat was do we get to the point where we have to ration things like meat because you know we've if you looked at from a hundred years ago we all a lot more meat than we did Mm. so those resources that are really heavy on the environment you know, sheep, cattle, those things mm. that we breed, and then all the stuff we have to grow to to breed them, you know, all the grain and food. So do we get to the point where we say, you can have your one steak a week or, or whatever, mm. because that's the only way, if we're going to keep the population growing, that we can mm. equal it. But even within that as well, it must get to that point where it just... Yeah. Yep. You are listening to a Triple R podcast. <laughs> you are on Greening the Apocalypse on 3 Triple R. Kate, you, Hi. for the third time you've been on the show in a row, I think, chose a song at random. Oh, uh, I Like don't, your style. Don't tell people that. Yeah, but you've got a very good, you've, you know, knack for choosing. Sometimes you know, I have help if I meet people in the other studio. Yeah. And other times I close my eyes and just point at <laughs> stuff. No, I like it. It's, it's song roulette. Yeah, song roulette. That uh, was quite good. Well done, B-Boys. Yeah. It was a ripper. 
Um, now, we've been talking tonight about whether or not to have kids from an environmental perspective, and we were talking about the environmental impact of kids. The other angle on it is what kind of world are they going to, you know, inherit? Because we've got, you know, all these things like it's the sixth great extinction. There's not, you know, all these wildlife are just... And uh, we were saying on or off air before about, Jed, about Australia being the leader of that of um, biodiversity loss. Oh, no, we're in the top seven in the last year. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then then there's diminishing resources. So will there be enough energy to go around, you know, when they're reaching the same age we are? And what's the climate going to look like? And are there going to be climate emergencies, refugees? Um, what's going to happen to this bubble economy? Like this loss of topsoil, this... Acidifying oceans. Oh, there's stop, like, stop. There's a, yeah, like there's a lot of... They're not going to maybe see as, have as much happy nature times as we did. And uh, there may be pressures on them. Now, this is something that you, got, you guys already... It's definitely, i got to say, influenced my decision. So, and, and at certain points, I did try and have a kid, but it didn't happen. And, uh, and in some ways, I feel a sense of... like being less invested in the future to be honest because mm-hmm. i don't have them and there's some relief in that like that i don't have to care quite as much you guys have made a decision <laughs> to have them and i'm gonna cry now. I f- <laughs> oh you go first i'll see if i can cry after. Well, I, but in a way i kind of you know you guys know a lot about the world and yet you've done it and i feel like that's i, I admire that you invested some of us wasn't such a conscious decision yeah, and that happens too. <laughs> that was a great week in Vanuatu, though. That was good. <laughs> Every, I think, ever yeah. since humans gained sort of a sense of consciousness, like a greater sense of not just being amongst the animal kingdom but maybe feeling like they were stepping up a bit above it, I would dare say ever since that moment, most parents at some point before conception, not necessarily during, uh, have, <laughs> have, have considered you know, what will the future hold for my kids? Well, my mum said that, you know, in the 70s when she had me, um, she had that feeling, you know, and my, my mum and dad's parents, both well, both my grandfathers were in World War Two, So if you can imagine what they saw and then, mm. you know, they said, oh, you know, God, would, you know, the things we saw, you know, can't believe we brought kids in. That's 70 years ago. That's something, true. Something. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, if you keep going back, even in increments of five years at, at a time, you know, you'll find something to kind of go, oh, God, how could I bring kids into a world like this? Yeah. Do you think the world was quite as dire? I mean, at, at the end of even World War Two, like there'd been this massive war, but that was people. This is now the planet, you know. Mm. So it, for me, it, um, it's a bit different now. Yeah. You know, like we're now saying, well, this is, you know, warming. We're going to have you know, sea level control. riding. It, it, this is not just stopping dickheads fighting each other in a war. This is mm. actually stuff that, you mm. know, might be out of our Kind of makes the war look like an appealing time. Almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, not that World War Two was, but... I no, mean, no, but, yeah. So I know, Bushy, you've... So how how old's... Um, what's, what's his online... Shrubby. Shrubby. Shrubby's oh, sorry, he's on air now. He's eight. Yeah. And um, <laughs> Princess Furor, <laughs> she's four. It's a great yeah. name. For yeah. <laughs> well, it's somewhere, yeah, somewhere between the um, warlord that she is and the um, Disney princess she wants to be. Um, yeah. So, so Shrubby's at an age where he probably has questions about 
Lots of yeah. the world. Yeah, he asks lots of... Um, I'm very forthright with the answers. Yeah. Uh, I try not... It's, look, it's a fine line because, you know, it's kind of like the Christmas thing. Yeah. You know, like, it's c- complete bullshit. Sorry, kids, if you're listening. But at the same time, you think back to how much you enjoyed it when you yeah. were a wee tacker. Like, it's... And so there's that fine balance between... I think I said this when we did our fear episodes, that fine balance between informing a child to the point that they just shrink into themselves hmm. and become, and then become like a target amongst their friends. Oh, there's a weird kid who's always talking about last and sea ice shelf, <laughs> you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and still letting them have that, um, that existence. But, look, he, under- he understands, like, he hates, if he sees a tree getting chopped down by an arborist crew, mm. he'll kind of go, oh, God, what are they doing? And sometimes I'll say, oh, well, that one's dead or you know that one's going to fall on the house oh well they should take the house out of the way and and things like that and he gets really like he's actually i'm going to actually have to work on this a bit with him because he knows a bit about the history of colonization in australia and the Mm. displacement of aboriginal people the genocide of aboriginal people Uh, and he's got a little friend at school with, with English roots, and he kind of goes, "Oh, such bloody English people!" Instead, <laughs> of got this mild xenophobia, and his grandfather's British, you know. But he'll kind of go, oh, bloody such and such." They're really acting like an Englishman. Today. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to curb that. Oh, I quickly. know, I know. But he's, that's become his interpretation of you know what happened when you know the, the English came to Australia. Um, so yes, with all of this stuff, the message and the delivery is incredibly important. So. What I try to do with him is try to focus on, you know, getting down amongst the shrubs and the grass and kind of, oh, look at this. And like, he, lo- he gets out, he finds nests and things like that. He makes nests. Um, he was really, really angry at his grandmother a few months ago because my mum was over. She was walking through the garden. She found all this busted up old blue shit in this garden. Oh, she picked it up. And Cohen came home and said, who destroyed my bowerbird nest? Uh, you know, so he'd found every blue thing he could yeah, and yeah. scattered it around. Um, <laughs> so I, got, I don't know, like, you're trying, you just want to give them a good time and you yeah. also want them to know that it's not always going to be, I try to teach them the idea of limits. Like, you don't mm. get a thing every time you ask for a thing because that's not always going to be a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? That Kate, level of stuff is probably just, you know, good, good life skills, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Katie, you're how old? We got an on-air name for wee baby. Tom. Tom, oh, that's his real name. You can come up with an on-air name. Little massive. <laughs> the gigantic baby. Um, <laughs> gigantic. <laughs> um, this is coming so up for you. So he's two. So yeah. I haven't experienced this, and I don't really have fear about the future. Mm. I know mm. I've got optimism about mm. what's possible, and if I, I think if I thought about it. Probably a little bit too much, and which I try not to. Well, I try. I try to think about what's possible and change is possible, and the hu- pot- human potential and what we're able to do and what we're mm. doing a little bit, mm. um, yeah. without thinking about the mass destruction of everything. Um, everything. <laughs> so Tom's so little at the moment that he isn't. It's just you know. Mm. He's two. He just yeah. walks around in this semi-conscious kind of gorgeous. Yeah phase of discovery and joy and delight and terror so within that um the the discovery thing do you okay so i have that thing as david attenborough once said if you understand a thing and you value a thing and you love a thing you look to protect the thing Mm. so are you and dan uh very deliberate with you know putting him you know at the zoo or down at the merry creek looking for frogs and, and all those sorts of things that can't help but ingrain a child with a sense of wonder and appreciation for the natural world 
Yes, but I also just do things that he enjoys and that I find easy. <laughs> yeah, oh, so do I. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. So ABC Kids, it's in the gar- like, he goes. He's in the garden a lot, talking mm. to the chickens. And but I mean, that's because we're lucky to have a garden, and yep. he gets to hang out there. I tried bush kinder a few times, but wasn't for me. What? Uh, <laughs> just find it a bit kind of. <laughs> North Kitch. It's, <laughs> um, it's easy so. just to take him down to the creek and <laughs> yeah. point stuff out. Jed, yeah, yeah, Charlie's almost four, and um, he's just at that stage where he's starting to ask a lot of questions. And, um, you know, I just watched him the other day with a snail and just the wonder of the snail. And, you know, why does the snail have a shell? And what's he, you know? Why is he in here? And I said, well, you know, that's how he protects himself. And, and the snail came out and I said, look, if you just touch him, he'll go back in because that's how he protects. So he's poked the snail in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's, it's gone back in. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's sort mm. of that uh, there's a, an amazement for them. Mm. And I, I think as he gets older, it'll be just pointing out the preciousness of, of, of our environment and mm. trying to give him that, that connection to land because I grew up in the country that, that I have mm. and, you know, it's what our Indigenous people had, that real connection yeah. to land and mm. trying to let him understand that it, it's not just stuff we stand on, it's really mm. precious. Mm. A lot of barefoot time and soil mm. contact, although that set had to take wee shrubby to the emergency room about a month ago with a fucking two-stitch gash in his foot. But anyway, <laughs> barefoot time is still a good thing. <laughs> but uh, oh, the... The clock is flying. I don't know if it's because it's set to public holiday, you know, fly through faster so we go back to work tomorrow time. But, but does, that, does that feeling of potential and joy outweigh that feeling of fear? Or does it, do we just make it, it that It balances way? itself out for me, personally, Katie. Personally, mm. I, I, I swing from one to the other mm. all the time. I might have to get that looked at by a psychotherapist. <laughs> uh, and Triple R is where you are as we rocket through the second half of the show, that show being... Bringing the apocalypse, and we're having a bit of a roundtable chat. Uh, nice, lightweight listening for your <laughs> public holiday drive home from the camping trip, probably with the kids in the car. We're discussing <laughs> the environmental impact of those little, of those sweet spots, little bands. Sweet, lovely. Yeah, the environmental impact of children. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing. You know, it's a question that, you know, I, as I said earlier, I think most parents to be or parents. You know, with ambition to become parents or whatever, have questioned for a number of years, you know, is this the world I want to bring children into? Well, there isn't actually an, uh, any other world to bring them into. Um, so for the third part of the show, we might actually talk about, like, the personal and social impacts of less kids or no kids or whatever. There's probably people out there listening without kids who are thinking about it. Mm. You guys have done it. Yep. I've lived a large chunk of my adult life without it. Mm-hmm. We've probably got some things to contribute. I'd say so. Yeah. It's, look, you know what, 99% of the time it is a real joy. And, you know, I mean, we spoke a little bit before about Shrubby, my son, and he's in that eight-year-old thing at the moment and I've been chatting to heaps of people and say that that's the first puberty, that seven to nine thing, testosterone just coursing. And him and I, at our worst at the moment, you'd kind of look at us and go, God, separate those two, you know. Um, But within that, there's a huge learning curve that's going on. I'd much rather be having these sort of little stouches and arguments with a kid who's probably not going to storm out of the house and go off and develop an ice habit at eight, Um, which he might at 16. I hope not. Well, ice terrifies me more than the environment disasters. (laughs) It's an interesting thing because I'm uh, an older father. 
Um, in fact, I was talking to a pile of blokes at a barbecue today who are all my age, maybe a couple of years older, and they're all grandfathers. So it was an interesting thing. We'd resigned ourselves to the fact we weren't going to have any kids and we're mm. starting to plan the rest of our life. And then, uh, you know, he popped along. Mm. Not sure how that happened. I think it was stork rubs a cabbage or something. Ah. Yeah, and then Null eats a cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I would, you know, you'd, you'd never regret it. And, and that's the funny thing is that, you know, there's this... You might have this conscious decision where you're thinking, no, 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 yeah. and then... It happens, and suddenly you've you've got no choice in it, mm. and you'd you'd never say, "Oh, well, no, I'd put him back if I could." But you'd never say that. But plenty of people think that, and it's a very uh, unsocietal thought to have. But it happens, and because people don't are unable to talk about it if they regret it, it's mm. you know it's very hard mentally for people who have mm. those thoughts. And we're pretty lucky, I reckon, these days that we don't have to have four or five kids because we think that that's necessary mm. you know, because three of them are going to die from whatever like they did smallpox and yeah. polio yeah. yeah it's it's probably harder to raise a kid even though we're extremely affluent we aren't enmeshed in tribal societies anymore i would completely mm. agree with let's that let's have a chat about that yeah. the loss of that's the village makes raising children really hard especially yeah. if you don't have family here to yeah. help yep. it's yep. really really hard but just so much joy and so much fun as well. Mm. When I cycle home, I just imagine Tom's face, like he's got a big yeah. moon face, mm. and then just cycle yeah. towards it. That's Partially great. covered in jam. <laughs> but, but you're right. You know, we just had a week in Queensland, and Charlie's had so you know a week with no other kids around. It's just been all adults, pretty much, or older. You know, like nineteen, twenty year old mm. people. Um, so it was really good. You know, I thought he really needed to go to his kinder um, yesterday mm. because he needed to play with some little kids. And mm. yeah. you know, if they're in the village, uh, then or, or the extended family, then there's always the the cousins or the you know whatever. Yeah, mm. yeah. This is one probably the, one of the first generations growing up where both parents have worked mm. not as not as normal situation. Mm. The kids have been you pay someone else to look after your kids, and you have hardly any time left over. And hardly any support, really. Mm. Well, I reckon one of the most perfect ways I've ever heard this debate put was uh, there was this TV show on ABC for a while. It was Agony Arts, I think it was. Oh, the yep. Agony of Life, yep. I think it was called. And Kate Langbrook, former Triple R breakfaster here, um, and she said that um, the modern nuclear family um, places the expectations of a village on two people's shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a really, really good way to sum it up. So where I live in um, Macedon... It's a little place, you know, it's a low population and the school's got like 200 and something kids. But the village is strong, you know. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's one, oh, hang on, there's two days of the week, one or one and a half days a week where um, Emily, you know, goes into paid care. Um, but as more often than not, no matter what's about to happen, you know, you can suddenly ring someone and go, look, we need a chop out. Mm. And, you know, you've got your sort of auto dial of about 20 people mm. who will just take your kids into the house or yours into theirs or whatever. Oh, awesome. And so forth. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that becomes a good thing as well because it's, it's all like, it's, that actually becomes an interesting little trading discussion because you never you, – someone will have your kids for a few hours and so then you'll have their kids for a few hours and everything like that. But that's the only trade. Like, you know, you'll never say to someone, oh, look, I'll come and give you a chop out on that, on that shed on the weekend because you looked after my kids. They go, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, don't bring that into it. All right? Mm-hmm. The kids are not a bargaining chip. 
and that's a really cool thing too like you know you, there's not a sense of expectation that if someone has your kids like once there and then another time there and like there's no sense that you've got a debt to them mm. it's just how it is and you know often you know a good really good friend of mine g'day fee she'll often have both our kids and just say oh it's so much easier when they're here and my two are hanging with them you know and so that becomes a thing that and we had halloween recently so idealistic and macedon isn't it listen to this yeah that's why i'm building a wall and making sunbury <laughs> pay for it um <laughs> and, and i had that idea before trump no t- halloween can you imagine halloween i mean okay a lot of people hate halloween i don't but we had halloween the other way. macedon does halloween better than i've ever seen it okay there is a street right which gets closed to cars okay and that street and the streets coming off it heap of the houses there they'll put like a little symbol on the gate that yep come in we've got apples we've got fruit we've got lollies we've got sausages and bread all that sort of stuff all these kids dress up everyone catches up parents walk the street you know drinking perno or chartreuse or whatever i said earlier, and it's a ripper night it is a really good night and you meet new people you hadn't previously met and your kids meet new kids that they've never met because people come from outside of macedon mm. you know i bumped into a lady this year she was up from melbourne for the night just you, to come and see it you probably wouldn't have an excuse to do that if there were no kids no, well, maybe it's an awkward thing. Like that's a, yeah. a good point, no, Adam. What yeah. would it be like? What would all of these rituals be like if everyone made the decision not to have kids? What would Christmas be like? Yeah, well, look, I, I have my Christmas with my parents, and there's just this real sense of um, it's all aging, and like, yeah, I'm, we're dying out. <laughs> that's oh. it's, it's, and there's no like kids to 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 do something random to take your mind off that. Yeah, <laughs> like slash your foot open in the grass or something yeah. like that. Yeah, but I mean, that's, that's an it, interesting thing. It is, it is a little bit existential. and uh, it, But it's a conscious decision at this point for me. And I've, ha- I've had the conversation with my parents. Um, and, and, you know, they've, they're understanding. But oh, they'd love grandkids, of course. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's amazing when you think about it that you can have, you know, 3.5 billion years of evolution that all those lucky organisms just ended up with you. You, me. Adam Grubb. Which like, is the I, ultimate. Yeah, like I'm, I'm the long chain of endless success. <laughs> yeah. We all are. Now, and and now then you're it, up there to stop it. And then you can go, you know what, genes? Nah. Yeah. I'm going to youth burst control and I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to game this system. How, do you, how, do you, how does that make you feel that those genes are just going to stop? I know. It's what, do, should you feel an allegiance to your genes? I don't, I don't know. It's, it, I do feel a little bit. Are you opting for a composted burial? That's the <laughs> ultimate. That's the, probably the logical step for the you to take. The worms will get some grubby. I have thought about it as a kind of um, life choice of if I don't have offspring, then who do you leave money to? And maybe that's a kind of potential ethical decision that people could could make is to think about well what if i like there are all those um things about giving to charity effective altruism and that and i do it you know i have a little bit away but i also really like the sense of having a bit of security and a bit of money in the bank but Mm. what if you don't have offspring you live really frugally but if anything goes badly health-wise whatever you're not you know Mm. you're not left out in the cold high and dry uh but you know, if you, when you die, just leave it to really good places and or spend it all. Yeah, or even just you know, if um, 
you're getting bored. Just, oh no, <laughs> you just <laughs> end it. Well, the, the, we're, we're and we're just touching. give your money away. Like that seems like a pretty ethical life choice. Yeah, touching yeah. on the social pressures. So my my brother and, and his wife, they been together twelve years. And really early on, they just neither one of them had an interest in in having kids. They are two of the best aunts and uncles, like just superb. Um, and my brother went along to the quack to get the a vasectomy, mm. and he sits down and the guy says, "Well, hang on, you've, so you don't have any children?" He goes, "No, got no children. Don't want any children." What the snip? Mm-hmm. And oh my god, the re- and he still hasn't been able to get it. Like no one will sort of go near it. And there's this whole thing, oh, but what if you change your mind? He says, oh, I've been thinking about this for years. Mm. I don't want to have my own children. Surely that's and his choice. You would think so. You would think so. But he can't, to the best of my, and I haven't spoken to him for a few weeks, maybe things have changed. But the last time we discussed this, he said it was the greatest arsehake he's experienced trying to get someone to make him wow. yeah, cut the chain in, in his 3.5 billion year lineage. Mm. Hmm. You can reverse it, can't you? Of course you can reverse it. So why yeah. would they? Apparently it's brutal. Yeah, yeah, it is. Apparently all yeah, you, you want I've is I've a swimming pool told. full of ice packs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so we, the ageing thing, though, is interesting, isn't it? Because mm. we, we have more ageing humans. Yeah. So then do we need to offset that by more young humans? Or, yeah. Or not? Yeah, well, it's the thing that Japan's facing already. Mm. And, um, yeah, if... What are the fertility rates continue to go down in Australia? Then we'll eventually have yeah that problem here too. Yeah, so who yeah. looks after the old people? Yeah, that is a question. I imagine it's not easily be, answered. It must be an interesting push and pull as well. But if if you were say an only child of a couple and then they separated and, and then when they're elderly, you know you don't have a one stop shop of elders to look after. You've got to say, look after mum, look after dad, or look after you know whatever formation family you had. And yes. It's an interesting. This is a discussion that could probably just keep rolling on and on, and by some miracle of nature, it can't because I've seen that the superfluity people are here early. <laughs> well, that was a, a cracking yet somewhat awkward and harrowing discussion this evening, dudes, and I'm glad we had it. Um, we better put some content together for next week <laughs> after the show. But uh, good to see you all. It was a lovely old um, thingo today, the old public holiday. Jed, thanks for being the panel beater. Yeah. And uh, my pleasure. My condolences nice for some recent stuff. Bush is my name. Uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. Until then, have all the fun. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.